0: Welcome to Be With Your Body. My name is Sarah Jane Chapman. This is a podcast about folks connecting to their bodies just as they are without needing to be any other way. Today I'm talking with Leah Lennox. Leah is a child's therapist here in Nashville, Tennessee. She also has cerebral palsy. She talks about her experience of growing up with a disability and how she has learned to connect with her body. Leah also shares her experience of working with children and some really helpful tips to help children to connect with their own bodies if you're a caregiver or a parent. Um, I hope that you enjoy this episode. There's lots of a lot of goodness in this one. So enjoy my chat with Leah Lennox. I don't wanna not just me it's systems of oppression make us small this healing's not just for you and me because really it's for us all hello hi Leah today I'm with Leah Lennox Um, I'm gonna have you introduce yourself share a couple things you identify with as and your pronouns if you'd like
1: Oh yeah, sure. So I am Leah Lennox. I'm a licensed professional counselor. I'm here in Nashville, and I work with children and adolescents mm. and I'm college students. I jokingly say I don't want to work with adults. I like kids. <laughs> you're like if you once you hit 18, you're out. <laughs> yes, <I'm> go <good>. <laughs> someone else. Yes. Um, yeah. No. I just love uh, working with kids. I always say I get to. I have like the honor of being the person that I feel like I needed when I was a kid. So it's a cool role to be in.
0: Well, and you know, full disclosure, I've seen you work with some of your kids before because I came and taught a little yoga with them. And you're so, I mean, you're just amazing. You're so great with them. You can just tell that they have such like trust and love
1: for you. Well, it goes both ways. So Yeah. And then you bring your little
0: camo, your little puppy.
1: Yes. Actually I was seeing someone the other day. Um, I'm some, I'm doing like an intensive model where they go, um, they come to see me every day for like four days. Um, and one little kid was like, Oh, like this was helpful. And, um, you know I do brain spotting with them so we were doing brain spotting and then they're like but what really was helpful was Camo." so I was like okay yeah he's your little <laughs> therapy dog yeah okay. I think I could just leave him in the room and leave and it, <laughs> right you're like okay he's the real therapist <laughs> yes yeah, so he's like my sidekick for sure I jokingly say I'm like I get more referrals from him than any other any- yeah
0: yeah he's yeah he's like your part he's like your partner you know yeah. business partner <laughs> I love it. Well, so, okay, because this is a
1: podcast about bodies, I would love yeah. for
0: you to share your experience of your body these days or or historically.
1: Yeah. Well, I was so excited when I saw you were doing this podcast. I was like, yes, this is awesome. Um, and I just wanted to share my story a little bit in hopes that it can help somebody along uh, their journey. Um, so just probably to explain my story a little bit, I'll go back to the beginning, but um, so I am a twin, and I was born prematurely and a three months early. Um, I jokingly say, "I'm like I wanted to come out in time for Thanksgiving." <laughs> so, I love food, um, but as a result of that, I have um, a physical disability known as cerebral palsy, um, and that was just kind of you know hard growing up being in my body. Um, I think for two things, like I didn't quote unquote have a normal body. Um, and so kind of grieving that and two, it was hard to be in your body. Cause there's also like some physical pain, um, that comes with that as well. So it's been a journey, um, learning to be in my body and like comfortable yeah. uh, in my body. Um, I think like the first step for me was really I had to g- grieve um and that took a while just grieving not having a normal body or whatever a normal body.
0: yeah yeah mm-hmm.
1: an, able- an able body an able body an yeah, body yeah that's probably the better term um and so just kind of sitting with those emotions and um Yeah. And just, just grieving, not having what you said, like an able body. Um, so that, that was really hard. And I don't think I really got to grieve it fully in childhood. Um, or I think also too, we have to grieve things at each developmental stage. Um, so it's not now till I'm an adult where I feel like I'm at the stage of like acceptance and really like loving my body. And it, it, it's been a journey.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Can you talk a little bit about like what cerebral palsy is and
1: how Yeah. So, it um so it is um damage um to your cerebellum where your just your boner cortex is not like sending clear messages. So the way it was explained to me when I was like little, which I still use these terms mm-hmm. is like, it's kind of like a game of telephone where like the messages that my brain sends, my muscles are not always like accurate. So then certain muscles fire too much and then some don't fire enough. So then I have like muscle weakness mm-hmm. and then tightness. Yeah. Every. um, they always say like no two people with cerebral palsy are the same, um, and there's a variety of ser- uh, severity. Yeah. Um, How does it show in your body? Yeah. So for me, um, my upper body is pretty um, able, and I don't. It's not really uh, affected. It's more my lower extremities, and I'll get like my hips will get tight and my um, quads. So it's more my lower body. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But you can still walk, like you're able to still walk yeah. and get around without yeah. assistance. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think for me, sometimes that was almost harder. I was explaining mm-hmm. it to somebody who um, I mentor and she also has cerebral palsy and um, she has a more mild, I guess our condition would be considered more mild. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be a little hard because then um it's almost like you don't fit in a category and and so actually it was you that pointed out to me like I think it was a couple years ago and you were like Leah you probably didn't see yourself like represented and I was like oh my gosh yeah like I never even thought about that um and so we saw like I remember seeing pictures of like people in wheelchairs or like sometimes that was represented in tv um but then it's hard cause I didn't fit in that model either. Um, so just finding, I, yeah, it took a bit to find like where I fit or felt like where I belong. Cause sometimes I don't, I didn't always feel like I fit, fit that label of like a disability, but then I also didn't fit like that able body label either. Yeah. Oh, it's
0: tricky to be in that in-between space. Um, So I don't, I haven't even told you this yet. I started working um, just one day a week with stroke survivors. Mm -hmm. And um, it's so interesting because in this, the the space that I work out of, they specialize in people who are a little bit younger who are, who have survived strokes. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because someone was, they had like a really, I thought like a really cool looking cane. And so I was like, Oh, I really like your cane, whatever. And they were like, yeah, you know, I don't really need it a lot, but I use it because it does signal to people that I might like need a little bit more time or need a little bit more space, you know, because they look like how the stroke had shown in their body was, it was more internal. They lost some like cognitive, um that had some cognition loss and then some um they became a little bit their eyesight became affected Mm -hmm. and so like they don't have the like the typical markers of a stroke which for some people might be like one side of their body um Mm -hmm. would have like um what we call like hypertones so like it might curl in like an arm might curl in or foot so um, it was just really interesting to me to like hear that perspective of um yeah, someone who might need a little bit more, uh, even though they like, they may not be as like overtly disabled, like, like obviously disabled, but they like have that signal to people to be like, I need, I might need a little bit more help, you know? know.
1: (laughs) And I think it's important too, to like, I think sometimes we think of disability as like someone old, um, and just, and like you said, like you can't, that person's more internal and yeah. to not like make judgments of like, oh, just because they're young doesn't mean like they can't have something wrong with them. Um, because yeah. sometimes I would get, um, like in college, we, um, uh, in undergrad, I had to park really, really far away. Like, you know, when you're a freshman and they make you park forever away. Um, so I had a handicap sticker and that that was really hard to have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. just the pride. From it, and like I just, I didn't. Again, I didn't want that label. I wasn't comfortable with yeah. that label at that time. Um, and then I would just have older people just be like, "Why are you parking in the handicapped spot?" And oh God, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to say, but <laughs> it's kind of like assuming just because I'm young doesn't mean like I can have you can have struggles physically when you're young too. It's yeah.
0: Yeah, I hear I mean I hear you on that. Not that it is anything the same, but like I recently um went on a pump for my diabetes mm-hmm. and I realized that I resisted it for I don't know why I resisted it for so long.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: cuz I was taking the insulin shots for a really long time and then I realized like after I was like okay, I really need help and I need to be on the pump. I like got in my car and cried because it's this like outward you know showing of like my body needing extra help and it's and it's kind of like what we were saying like you don't see that in the world right mm-hmm. and that's why representation is so important because unfortunately in our culture like there's so much stigma around disability mm-hmm. and so much misunderstanding like people just don't get it yeah and they might treat some people with any like obvious disability like the same you know, where it's like people have different needs. And, and um, yeah, I don't know. Could you speak to some of that? What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think it's hard because I think it's like just a lack of understanding. Um, And just, I think when I was younger, I would get really angry when people questioned me and like asked me really personal questions because I think, I mean, I can articulate it now, but I think, what was triggering was like they even though we, you know, with a physical issue, it's like you can see it with your eyes. Yeah. Um, but sometimes the questions that people ask you are tied to really vulnerable emotions. And oh my goodness. Yeah. You don't realize. Um and so you know, with a t- being a teenager, that was like really hard and like triggering, and then I would get like really angry. Sure. Um, but I feel like now with my own journey, I'm at a place of like acceptance where, um, I just, I use it as, as a time to like educate the person. And like, I, that's my version of like advocacy of like teaching in the, those moments. Um, I got to teach, um, one of the intro to play therapy classes at Lipscomb and, um, there was someone in the class that also had a physical disability. And so it was a really cool opportunity to like help future counselors kind of understand some of, even though our stories are going to be different, I think some of the emotions around having a physical disability are similar. Yeah, That was fun to like just educate future counselors of, you know, some of the clients that they might work with and how to best help them.
0: Yeah. I mean, Leah, that's amazing because I think, community is also so 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 important to see yourself and yeah that's something else I'm working with in this with the stroke survivor community is mm-hmm. I'm like I mean well so the 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 owner of the space that I work out of um, it's called Nashville Neurotherapy and mm-hmm. um, they have a support group called SAS I forget exactly what it stands for but <laughs> it is about like stroke survivors getting together because it's hard to know like I mean, obviously, like similar to cerebral palsy, like with strokes, it shows up so different in different people's, you know, brains, yeah. like, you know. And, yeah. but it's so important for them to, for folks to like meet other people that are having similar experiences. Cause then yeah. you're like, I mean, there's like a different thing that, like, it's one thing if someone can like be empathetic, but it's different if someone's like, yeah, I get it. Like, I get mm-hmm. it.
1: Yeah. You don't even have to say it with words.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that you're mentoring someone too. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's been. I don't think I could have done it any sooner. Like, just I just had some my own healing to work through. But I, at I'm about to be 36. I'll say, like, at 36, I can finally say, like, I'm at a level of acceptance where I like truly love like being in my body. So
0: it's Leah. A yes. <laughs> That makes me so happy. I love that. I love it so much. Can you tell me a couple things that have helped you to feel connect, connecting to be in your body?
1: Yeah. So I, um, I think the first step definitely was like going to therapy and like before I could really practice being in my body, I had to like, just talk it out so I think that's where like talk therapy is a good start um but then you have to go deeper and I think for each person like that journey is like up up to them when they decide to do that and so one of the first things I did was brain spotting um so and I know your husband is trained in that too Mm -hmm. um and you know what that is oh what you tell what brain spotting is,
0: just because. Oh. Yeah,
1: so it's a brain-based um, modality. It's um like it was derived from EMDR, mm-hmm. um, and you kind of can choose like something you might want to work on, um, and you kind of notice where you're feeling those emotions in your body, and then you find a correlating like eye position because we know behind your eyes, it's connected to the emotional part of your brain. Um, and you, um, it sounds like voodoo, but it's really awesome.
0: It works. I mean, I've, I've received it. It,
1: Yeah. It really works. And one of the first things that happened to me when I did it was I had like a birth memory. Like I don't, my body had a memory and then my brain created a picture and I had that feeling of like I couldn't breathe which we know like happened at my birth and that sold me on brain spotting I was like this is crazy um so I say that to say I think my first step was just learning to like breathe and not hold my breath because I was a I'm a breath holder when I got (laughs) stressed um so doing that and then Uh, that, and then, um, I think a little bit after that, that's when I got to do some yoga with you. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. Um, and then I have a friend who I've done like some energy work, um, Uh also can be a little voodoo, but that's been cool. Um, so just doing kind of more like, um, somatic and like breath work and just learning to like be in my body and knowing that it's like safe to be in my body. And then, um, recently I've really gotten into Pilates. Oh, awesome. Yes. So being on the reformer, I don't know if I would do Matt Pilates. That seems really hard, but I love being on the reformer because it takes like gravity away from it. Like, so it's been cool to see my body, like be able to get in different positions that I, I wouldn't have normally been able to do without the reformer. Um, so I definitely drank the Pilates Kool-Aid. <laughs> no, it's great. I used
0: to, I um the last place that I was renting out of for a massage, I shared a space with a Pilates instructor. And I've known her for a while too. I mean, it's pretty amazing. It really does, especially. I mean, for I mean, Andrew does Pilates too. Because uh-huh. he's had he had some back issues. And I was like, You really there's something about Pilates work that's like so specific about those internal like core muscles it's like this internal strength it's not like about like aesthetics
1: yeah and I don't think people realize but like the guy Joseph Pilates that created it apparently I don't know he was working with like injured soldiers Mm -hmm. and so he like used that pulley system because the people were like in bed and couldn't move so Wow, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so I'm like big about trying to break the Pilates stigma of like it's like oh, just like wealthy, like thin. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I and the um the place where I work go to Pilates, um, they're really good advocates about that of like changing the stigma of like it's for all bodies.
0: Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: that's awesome. I'm so glad yeah.
0: you shared that because I didn't, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. That's- yeah. It's super cool. Um, but yeah, so that's been like my journey. Um, so I think it was like a slow, um, yeah, it was a journey. So, yeah. and someone actually, one of the little girls that I mentor was like, are you afraid of like getting older? Um, you know, just aging in a body that's not able. Um, but I, I would say now, like, I think cause there was a lot of like, um, Pain physically that was that I thought was because of the CP, but it was more like the emotional pain tied to it. Um, I have less body pain now than when I was a kid. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, Yeah. isn't
0: that interesting? I, you know, it's so funny you say that because I like am so excited to get older. (laughs) I'm like, let my gray hairs go, you know. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. there's this, yeah, there's this amazing. Thing that happens when you just like get more comfortable with yourself, and it's like you can allow whatever change to happen to happen. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, I would not go back to my twenties for a day. Get out
0: of here. <laughs> I saw that
1: I saw this meme recently that was like when they think back to me at twenty three, and
0: it's like you know they're all like ah, like no, you know, yeah. yeah. Mm -mm. No, thank you. No, thank you. I love that. Well, can you tell me a little bit about um, working with children and some things that you do to help them to be in their bodies?
1: Yeah, because I really think our culture, like we are like born in our bodies and then like we almost like teach kids not to pay attention to their body (laughs) or we don't really take the time time. Um, just to cultivate that. So I, um, so working with kids, we do a lot of play. And so that's been like fun, like just dancing and playing. I think they're like naturally in their bodies when they play. Um, And I like to do some mindfulness and just a lot of somatic stuff, like teaching them like prompts to notice their body. Um, But I feel like with kids, they're they're like naturally there. It's almost like we learn to not be in our bodies. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know. That's the same thing with, because I do a lot of like intuitive eating stuff mm-hmm. and that's the same theory. It's like, we're born intuitive eaters and then we're taught like this food is bad. This food is good. Right. And it's like, if you just yeah. like let kids eat when they're hungry, stop when they're full, like they know their bodies better than anyone.
1: Yes. And
0: we like, we like train it out of them and it's very yeah. sad me. Yeah. I love that. Do you work with any teenagers who are like learning to connect with their bodies or reconnect with their bodies? Are you doing any of that kind of work?
1: Yes. Yes. I've, um, some teenagers and like young adults that, um, are learning to connect back to their bodies, either from like trauma or again, it doesn't even have to be a major trauma. It could just be like our culture of like, I know it's you like, never I got just... recess growing up. Like you can't even play. And, um, so yeah, so then that, that's been fun to, um, be on the journey with them. And I will say, I think, you know, as counselors, we kind of hear that cheesy phrase of like, you can only bring someone as far as you've gone yourself. Real though. And, so I think because I've gotten better about being in my body, it's easier to teach mm-hmm. someone else. Um, so I think with um, the teens I work with, I like to start first. Like the brain spotting really helps yeah. ease that because then that's like breath work. It's not as like scary. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes you really do have to go. I know for me, like I had to go back to the beginning of just learning to like breathe and. Mm-hmm. Feel that breath in my body.
0: Yeah. Breathing is, I mean, honestly, I feel like it is one of the most important tools to connect with ourselves, Mm. you know, because it's one of those things. Our breath is like, I like to think of it in two ways. Like our breath is first, like a tool that we can like recognize what's happening in our bodies. Mm Because if you're ever, I mean, this is my experience, at least like if I'm really concentrating on something, I'll like take a beat and I'm like, oh, I'm holding my breath (laughs) because I'm like focused, right? so Okay, this is an opportunity for me to take a breath so like our, our breath can both tell us what's happening but also our breath can be like we can by manipulating our breath can work with our system yeah so, um it's kind of taking a little bit from the Bhagavad gita uh which is like one of the yogic texts that talks about how the um that our mind is like a chariot, and our brain or and our breath is like horses. And so, if we can control the horses, then we can control the chariot, our mind. Yeah, I love
1: that metaphor.
0: Mm-hmm. I think about that all the time. So, yeah, I mean, even just like on the physical level of just like getting your body more oxygen. Yeah. You
1: know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I and love- then I really like um Kier Levine stuff, like the somatic oh. experiencing. He's mm-hmm. um, all. Yeah.
0: It- what somatic experiencing is
1: yeah so we like the idea is that we store emotions and like trauma in our body Mm -hmm. um that that needs to be released um so his, his work has been like really great and i love to like even just like reading the books like there'll be like one or two tips like and like simple um simple things that he recommends that i'll just have like a client um and that's been so so helpful. Yeah,
0: what do you can you think off the top of your head a couple of things that he makes? Um,
1: sense? I'm trying to think what is one thing that I did like recently, but just like the certain sounds that he'll have um, clients do walk through, like just to kind of release that or like feel that um, vibration like in their body and like just to get that energy, that energy wait, wait. out. Would that work with like a singing bowl? Yeah. 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 And I've done my friend that I do energy work with. Like I, um she had me one time, like literally just like yell. like and I was, like, oh, oh yes. Oh like, my
0: God. I've had people scream.
1: <laughs> yeah. She was like, Leah, just put the phone on mute and you can yell. Cause I was like, this is so weird. It's good though.
0: It's good. Yeah. And then did you laugh or did you cry after?
1: I think I laughed. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think I you know, left. It's, it's so, so funny. But, but yeah. So that. Oh, go, sorry. Go yeah, so yelling also works really yeah.
0: well. <laughs> Talking about Peter Levine, he has probably my favorite quote about trauma. It's that trauma is an event without an empathetic witness.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think about that all the time because especially as a parent, and maybe you think about this with young children, it's like, I want to protect the world. Or protect her from the world,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And like, I don't want her to have any bad experiences, but the reality is like she will. And yes. so, what I can do as a parent is just acknowledge that it happened and be like, "I see, yeah, yeah, you fell, and that looked like that really hurt." And I'm, you know, and I'm here for just like naming it and like
1: that's that's huge because oh to be seen. Oh that's the message. Like, I just wish every parent. Could know and like really it in into their everyday life is like you cannot protect your kiddo from everything and that's so stressful like running around trying to like um you know you'll never be able to do it but the best gift you can give to your kiddo is just to sit with them in it of like this is really hard like this is really sad I think when I was a kid I just needed someone to say like this sucks this sucks? like. Yes. Yeah. You're like, yeah, it does suck. I hate this. And you're like, I know. Yeah. I know. Um, and so I just encourage parents to like kind of um, you know, sit with their own emotions. Um, so like you can better like sit with your kiddo. Cause that's really like oh that's what a child needs is just mm-hmm. someone to sit with them, um, with it. Um, because we're never gonna be able to protect them. Yeah. From, from the oh. world. <laughs>
0: It's so true. Oh my goodness. Any last little things you'd like to share? Maybe any advocacy work or things that you'd like to share for able-bodied folks?
1: Um that is such a good question. What would be what I I think probably the biggest thing is I think it it's natural to be curious and like wanting to ask people questions. Um sometimes it it means well, like you're just trying to connect to somebody. Um, But I would just be mindful of like, like letting the person like that doesn't have an able body, like let them share their story when they feel ready.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yay. Leah, thank you so much for chatting with us. I mean, you're just, you're just such a wonderful person, such a gift. And then, are you still taking clients or I know that you have a practice where you have some folks that also work for you too. Yeah,
1: so I, um, my business is called the, um, the center for connection and wellness. Um, and so we have a variety of counselors to help that work with kids and adolescents. Um, yep. And I, cause right now I'm kind of full.
0: I was like, <laughs> you are full, but yeah. so I, <laughs> well, you have other people. Yes. In yeah. that.
1: Yes, I jokingly say like, I'm going to call it Leah and friends because I've just hired some friends and people <laughs> that I trust and love. So well, that's how it works. It's like, oh, yeah. you, know, you have the trust and then they,
0: you know, and then y'all work together too with like sharing skills and tools and stuff. So I'm sure a lot of those folks have similar tools. Yeah.
1: Have. We'll have to do a yoga group again soon.
0: Oh, my so. goodness. Yeah. Now that we're like maybe feeling a little bit safer in the world. I would love that. I would
1: love that. So fun. Fun
0: with y'all. Yeah. Yay. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was so great to chat with you. Yes. Here's one thing that you can do to be okay with being you. Here's one thing that you can do to be okay with being you. So we're going to talk about mirror work. So for a lot of folks who have body image issues, the mirror is not a fun place to spend time in front of, which makes total sense. So um, what I usually offer to folks that I work with through yoga therapy around these things is to start with just a face mirror. So just like a small face mirror and spending just a couple minutes a day looking in the mirror objectively, right? So instead of being critical, be curious, and then eventually you can expand to looking at your whole body. And I would really recommend doing this being naked. So I often link this with getting in the shower or getting dressed, and just spend a couple minutes and just look at your body. And again, be curious, don't be critical, and just notice. And this really interesting thing happens when we expose ourselves to something over and over and over again, it becomes normal, right? We talked about this many episodes ago when we talked about social media. The more types, variety of bodies you see, the more it seems like only one body type is okay. And so, importantly, the more you look at your body and how it is right now, the more it becomes normalized, right? And you can like move around a little bit. You can play with your own body. It's your body. And just kind of like notice how it feels and notice how it feels to look at them, however they are. So I suggest this mirror work. Start again with the face. If the full body seems not available to you right now, totally fine. And then expand to the whole body and try to look at yourself naked. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Don't be nervous. It's gonna be great. Um, again, please follow, subscribe, share, all this. If this information is useful, helpful, or just entertaining for you, like please tell a friend. And um, hopefully we can have more folks feel connected to their bodies. Okay, we'll see you next week for our last episode of this season. Okay, bye. That's okay if your body's changed, and that's okay if your body's changed. That's okay if your body's changed, and why would you expect them to stay the same when in fact everything does change?